Well, this morning, I'm not going to be giving a sermon. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first two main portions of the book of Acts. Now, for those of you that may be visiting here this morning or watching online that are not familiar with us, um, that's not normally what we do. And so both for you and for the regular attenders, I think I owe you some explanation for why I'm going to do this. And the reason is when Pastor Terry asked me about filling in this weekend, this Sunday, what I really wanted to do was do a topical sermon on just what exactly the nation Israel is and what the kingdom of God is and what earthly nations are. And how Christians in the church relate to those things and what the distinctions are. Because I think that's a big area of confusion in the evangelical church in America. Well, as you can imagine, that's a minefield. And so I thought, you know what, the safest thing to do is just read the scripture. Where God shows us what the church is and what its, uh, what its mission is what its message is, and the means by which it's supposed to carry that out. And we're going to read that in Acts because we're going to find that when, God, when Jesus is giving the disciples their marching orders, at the beginning they're confused too. They're still thinking about political power in order to set up an earthly government that will run like they want it to. And we're going to read in Acts that Jesus corrects their thinking and sends them out on their mission. Now, to get oriented here, you'll recall that it was approximately, roughly 35 years after Jesus died and was resurrected and went back to heaven, that God had a guy named Luke write two little booklets that were combined volumes that went together. Little short things, they're only about 30 pages each. And the first one was the story of the life and ministry of Jesus up through his death and resurrection. That's what we call the book of Luke. Then the second book was a sequel to that, and it's what we call the book of Acts. And it picks up where Luke left off, where God is, where Jesus is assigning his apostles the task of going out and uh, preaching about him, testifying about him throughout the world. And so that's what Luke does is he tells that story. What he's going to do at first is He's going to tell us what apostles are, what their qualifications are, what their mission is, what their message is, um, and where they're going to get their power and who chose them, who chose them. Uh, and then after that, he's going to, going to show us how they receive power from God. And then uh, Jesus tells them, well, I'm getting it out of order. I should just read it. Jesus uh gives them their assignment that they're to go testify about him in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Luke continues the story that just as God told him he would, he gives them the Holy Spirit and empowers them. And then we, we are told the story of how they, in fact, God through them establishes the church in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and then throughout the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, we don't have time to read the whole book this morning, but we've got time to read the first two sections where God establishes his church in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. 
Now, as we read this, there's two things to keep in mind that might help you listen to this. First of all, it's good to keep in mind that this was written with the intention that it would be read out loud and people would listen to it. Remember, it was written 1,500 years before the invention of the printing press. All of the scripture was written before the invention of the printing press. And it was essentially all written with the intention of being read out loud and people would listen to it. So what we're doing is not weird. It's just weird in America recently. And also, because of that, Luke has written this in the form of a story. It's not a history textbook and it's not a newspaper article. It's written in the form of a story. There's a great deal of emotion and drama. There's a tremendous amount of dialogue that's given. And every scene grows out of the scene before and it leads into the next scene. And all of this is with the intention of drawing us into the story. So we're there. And we're, we're watching this take place. So let yourself be drawn into the story and swept along as Luke tells us this incredible story of how God started his church. The second thing to keep in mind is I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. And what that means, it's very unnatural English, Right? Nobody speaks New American Standard. Um, there are several reasons for that, but one of them is that the New American Standard is English with a Greek accent because the New American Standard is mostly English vocabulary and grammar, but the sentence structure and the way the clauses are put together often follows the Greek rather than the English. And so sometimes it sounds weird to us and it's even hard to read out loud sometimes. But rather than be put off by that, just think of it as a Greek accent. And it kind of pulls you into the location. Think of it as watching an American movie about a story that takes place in another country and all the actors are speaking with an accent. And that just draws you into the story. It puts you there, doesn't it? So think of it that way. If I had the ability to read this with a Greek accent without just sounding silly, I would, but I don't know how to do that. So keep that in mind as we listen to this astonishing story that Luke has written as a sequel to the first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after he'd by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he'd chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, You heard off from me, for John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. 
After he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day walk away. And when they'd entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is uh, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And these uh, all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together, and he said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in the ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness and falling headlong. He burst open in the middle and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem so that in their own language they called that field Hakeldamah, that is, field of blood. Peter continued, For it's written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate and let no one dwell in it and let another man take his office. Therefore, It's necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias. And he was added to the eleven apostles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now they were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. And they were saying, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them on our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. 
And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying another, one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, he raised his voice and he declared to them, Men of Judah and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I'll pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I'll in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I'll grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I'll not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you'll not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For you've made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb's with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet... And knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on the throne. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. That he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit... He has poured forth this which you see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you. 
and for your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. That day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as any might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate at the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he was still clinging to Peter and John... All the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to them, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power of piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact of which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it's the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man whom you see see and know. And the faith which comes through him is given in this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did. But the things which God announced beforehand by the, prof- by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent. And return so that your sins can be wiped away 
in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses had said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. It's you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you away from your wicked ways. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there. And Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they'd placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power and what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we're on trial today... For a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man's been made well. Then let it be made known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. By this name this man stands here before you in good health. Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who'd been healed standing with them, they had nothing to reply. But when they'd ordered him to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do about these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle's taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But so that it won't spread any further among the people, let's warn them to speak no longer about this man in this name. And when they'd summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. When they threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. 
For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had had, uh, been performed. So when they'd been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. And they said, Oh, Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, you said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord... Take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul and not One of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay to the apostles' feet, and they'd be distributed to each as any had need. Now, Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who is also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it He laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, didn't it remain your own? And after it was sold, wasn't it under your control? Why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart? You haven't lied to men, but to God. As he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard it. The young men got up and covered him up. And after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Peter said to her, why is it that you've agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they'll carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. 
And the young men came in and found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard these things. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities and the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and they sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came didn't find them in the prison. And they returned and reported back saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened it up, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple guard and chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported, the men whom you put in prison, (laughs) they're standing in the temple and teaching the people. And the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back, but without violence. They were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they brought them, they stood them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching this name and yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood on our heads. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He's the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law respected by all the people, stood up in the council and he gave orders to put the man out, men outside for a short time. And he said to the council, Men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. And he too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. 
So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it'll be overthrown. But if it is of God, you won't be able to overthrow them. And you might even be found fighting against God. Well, they took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native uh, Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God kept on spreading. And the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Now, Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And then they secretly induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put forward false witnesses who said, this man incessantly speaks against this holy place in the law. For we've heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus that he'll destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and come into the land which I'll show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, God had him moved to this country in which you are now living. But he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground. Yet, even when he had no child, 
He promised that he would give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke to his, this effect that his descendants would be aliens in a foreign land and that they would be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. And whatever nation to which they will be in bondage, I myself will judge, said God. And after that, they'll come out and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. Now the patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him and rescued him from all his afflictions and granted him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his household. Now a famine came over all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction with it, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers there the first time. On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family was disclosed to Pharaoh. And then Joseph sent word and invited Jacob, his father, and all his relatives to come to him, 75 persons in all. And so Jacob went down to Egypt, and there he and our fathers died. And from there they were removed to Shechem and laid in the tomb, which Abraham had purchased for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But as the time of the promise was approaching, which God had assured to Abraham, The people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. It was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they wouldn't survive. It was at this time that Moses was born and he was lovely in the sight of God and he was nurtured three months in his father's home and after he'd been set aside, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians and he was a man of power in words and deeds. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Now, he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they didn't understand. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together, and he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, Men, your brethren, why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? You mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this remark, Moses fled and he became an alien in the land of Midian where he became the father of two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight and as he approached to look more closely, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and he didn't venture to look. But the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals. For the place on which you're standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and I've heard their groans. And I have come down to rescue them. Come now, I'll send you 
to Egypt. This Moses, whom they disowned, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one whom God sent to be both a ruler and a deliverer with the help of the angel who appeared to him in the thorn bush. This man led them out, performing signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the sons of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai and who was with our fathers. And he received living oracles to pass on to you. Our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but they repudiated him. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. For this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. At that time, they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned them away and delivered them up to serve the host of heaven. As it's written in the book of the prophets, It was not to me that you offered victims and sacrifices 40 years in the wilderness, was it, O house of Israel? You also took along the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of the god Rompha, the images which you made to worship. I also will remove you beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses had directed him to make it according to the pattern which he'd seen. And having received it in their turn, our fathers brought it in with Joshua upon dispossessing the nations whom God drove out before our fathers until the time of David. David found favor in God's sight and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High doesn't dwell in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven's my throne. The earth's the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? Wasn't my hand what made all these things? You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you've now become. You who received the law as though ordained by angels, and yet you didn't keep it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed intently into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and they covered their ears and they rushed at him with one impulse. And when they driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. 
And Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. On that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Now, some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He'd put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. And as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice. And many had been paralyzed and lame were healed. And so there was great rejoicing in that city. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what's called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he'd for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, and he was constantly amazed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered him money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart's not right with before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. But Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me yourselves so that nothing of what you said may come upon me. So when they'd solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many of the villages in Samaria. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So we got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, uh, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he'd come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. 
and sitting in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation, for his life is removed from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom is the prophet speaking? Of himself or of someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized them. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch could no longer see him, but he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he was traveling, it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, Uh, He was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it'll be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by a hand, they brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and he neither ate or drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up. And go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he's praying. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints and in Jerusalem. And here, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's my chosen instrument to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake.
So Ananias departed and he entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were in Damascus and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him They continued to be amazed and they were saying, isn't this the one who in Jerusalem destroyed those who call on this name and who come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days it had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and they let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles And described to them how he had seen the Lord in the road and that he had talked to him. And how at Damascus he would spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem. Speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews. But they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. So... The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up. And going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. 